Welcome to OGGN's Mixer Connections podcast. Here each month, the insights and stories from the people and companies that make our industry mixers possible are captured while also allowing us to contribute to charity. So here's your host, Kamal Kar. Welcome, everyone. My name is Kamal, and I'll be your host for today. So today, we are interviewing Jason Wright, the CEO of Avatar Managed Services. Avatar is an IT service and solutions company based here in Texas. Welcome, Jason. Please introduce yourself and the company that you work for. Thank you, Kamal. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here on the OGGN podcast. Obviously, you guys have the bragging rights of being the largest oil and gas podcast in the world. So I'm excited to be here, participate, and collaborate with you guys, and also to be here in the energy mecca of the world, right? So we're talking about technology and how we use that to help and impact oil and gas energy industry. I'm also excited, Kamal, about the charity that you guys are supporting today. So Red M helps bring women in off the street from sex trafficking. My wife happens to be involved in that through her ministry, and so that's near and dear to our hearts. So we're really excited to be participating in this today. You asked about us, our company, and introduction. Before I want to do that, I really want to, for context, frame the market from a technology standpoint, where are we at today? There's a lot of buzzwords. There's a lot of hype in the world today. When you think about new, emerging, evolving technologies, there's been an explosion of them today. When you think about the intersection of all these technologies and how they're impacting the world. You have to go back, if you just go back to really even 90s and 2000s, and we saw a real proliferation of fiber networks and access to the internet and virtually everybody in the world or most people being able to get access to the internet. And then you saw sort of the same transition that we saw electricity take place back in the Industrial Revolution, right? Before electricity was invented, companies built their own source of power, right? Whether it was steam or power plants, water, and that's how they powered their plants. And then Edison comes along, invents electricity. Now you just plug into the electrical utility and that's how you get your power. Well, that's what's happening with technology and IT today and really cloud brought that same evolution along. So instead of companies having to build out their infrastructure, big capital expenses, lots of hardware, and then having to refresh that every couple of years, the cloud allowed you just to pack in or plug in to the network and get the compute and technology needs that you have on demand, scale immediately. And so those technologies really paved the way for what we're seeing now today with the emergence of IoT, we've seen, again, a proliferation of smart devices, you know, in the home, smartphones that everybody's using. You're hearing buzzwords like artificial intelligence, RPA, or robotics process automation. You're hearing augmented reality, virtual reality, ESG initiatives. So if I'm a business owner, a small to medium business owner, or even a mid-market company, technology is complex enough, right? But then I have all these innovative technologies swirling and I can't figure out, you know, how can I adopt these to help me today and how can I use those same technologies to help my business evolve? And so that's what Avatar Managed Services does for the marketplace. We work with companies 
across many verticals. Typically, they've outgrown the startup phase. Now they've got 10, 20 employees. We support companies on up to several hundred employees. Our real sweet spot are companies in that sort of 15, 20 employees on up to about 150 employees. Typically Houston-based, they typically have what we have coined as drowning man issues, whether it be high growth needs, they're acquiring other businesses, bringing new products to market. So we look for companies that have an impending event, something that's going to require investment in technology. So that's what we do. So we help come into these businesses, small, medium businesses, work with the leadership teams and the owners, the entrepreneurs, to really help them assess where they're at from an IT standpoint. We come in and drive efficiency through an optimization plan, stabilize their environment, make sure they have business continuity planning, the right security countermeasures in place, make sure they have a service desk they can call into for immediate high response, high touch support. And then we augment that with a proactive strategy that includes a lot of scheduled touch points to help them plan for the future, budget, and know where they're going to go with IT. Wow, that's amazing. You pretty much touch a lot of different types of services within that company, even though you're IT, you have this long range that you're touching. So what type of industries, I know you're based in Houston, Texas, so is it mostly oil and gas or is it anything that requires those IT services? Like who are your primary audience? You gave a little bit about the size of the company, but what about the background? Yeah, so really great question, Kamal. We do a lot of business with oil and gas, mid-market EMP companies. We have relationships with a lot of the private equity firms here who invest and support many of the energy industry companies, oil and gas, EMP type companies. We've demonstrated a lot of capability and capacity with them. So oftentimes we work with many of the PE firms as they invest in a new company. That company is obviously going to scale, right? And rather quickly and oil and gas already being a capital intensive environment. So it makes a lot of sense to leverage an outsourced option like us, where we have lots of different skill sets, a lot of process, maturity, and automation built in. And so, you know, effectively what we're doing for these companies is we're coming in and we're bringing them from a one or a two on the operational maturity scale to a four or five. And that's our secret sauce. We help these companies understand where the gaps are from industry best practice. And then through the proactive side of the engagement, we map them back to best practice so they have higher productivity, higher uptime. So oil and gas is a big vertical for us because that model appeals to them. Healthcare is an emerging vertical for us. A lot of industrial and manufacturing, very strong. So companies who are manufacturing developing products for oil and gas. I mean, even if you're not working with oil and gas directly here in Houston, oftentimes you're working with them indirectly because it's still, you know, the primary industry for the city. So, yeah, again, we cover a lot of verticals, but we have some that are really strong and oil and gas is one of those. Amazing. That's such a really good overview of your company and who you serve. So now I really do want to hear a little bit more about Jason. Who is Jason? How did you get started? What are your passions? And a little bit about your career so far. Sure. So I've been in the industry for almost 20 years now. I'm kind of a 
what I like to say, a self-made guy. So I came from a blue-collar background, put myself through college, working construction, and I was a fireman for a period of time, restaurant, bar industry, and all that, and got my first corporate job working for Williams in the Transco Tower, and I worked for Wiltel, and we were selling telecommunications, phone systems, contact centers. So that's how I started my career. At a time when those were very complex systems, this was before it all went to the cloud. These were, you know, big systems that required separate networks and so forth. But did that for a number of years. And then roughly around 2007, 2008, we saw a real need in the marketplace with small, medium businesses, because even though they're categorized as small or medium, they're still legitimate companies with complex needs. And so the model then for those companies, if you had IT issues, was time material support model, right? So something broke, you called the local, you know, two chucks in a truck, they get quoted you a rate and they came out and fixed your issue. Very reactive, you know, required downtime, loss of productivity. So, you know, with that, we saw this idea. We had had some enterprise background. My partners and I decided to start a company My partners had come from Enterprise. They actually were senior leaders working for the IT division within Schlumberger. So we said, how do we take this enterprise experience, but bundle it, package price it for the small to medium business so that they too can participate in sort of the same features as unlimited support, fixed cost, or cost predictability within their IT spend, immediate, quick resolution, those type of things. And so that's where we came up with the idea to start Texas. And we really helped pioneer the MSP model, which is what we're referred to managed service provider. So we started that mid 2000s, had a lot of success with that up until 2015, at which point we were approached by a number of firms, there was consolidation starting to take place. And so we sold that business, had an exit in 2015, sold it to Konica Minolta, large Japanese technology conglomerate. And that was really a feather in our cap, so to speak, then, because their process was to interview. Once they identified a market they wanted to go into, talk to every company in that market and determine who was really best of breed, you know, best operational maturity, et cetera. So they talked to about 55 companies in Houston and landed on us to acquire. So it really spoke a lot, I think, in terms of what we did, our management team, our operational maturity and process and the type of clients we had. So, you know, sold that business in 2015. I stayed on with Konica for another four or five years working in leadership. And then I did a stint in Big 8 Consulting. I worked for RSM for a couple of years, running their management consulting and technology practice in Houston. So it's a mouthful, but I say all that to say I've grown up my entire life in technology. I've worked my entire career in the Houston market. So very embedded in this market, very well connected. And Lastly, I'll say that, again, we really pioneered the MSP model, which is now the adopted way of IT support for that market. So we know what we're doing. Impressive. Yeah, very impressive with the history yourself and the company and how it is what it is today. So there have been, in the last couple of years, we've had concepts like 
the future or the workplace of the future or a hybrid workplace environment, which has really gained popularity, especially after the shutdown, after COVID. And those works and words have just, they've acquired a lot more popularity than we thought it would have been in five years ago. So how does Avatar equip our customers in order for them to adapt to the better changing environment? Yeah, so COVID was... Obviously, for all intents and purposes, a black swan event, right? Nobody saw this coming, right? We haven't, it's probably the most impacting event globally in a hundred years since the Spanish-American flu. And I spoke about this in a TED Talk at a conference in Florida recently, and it was really well received because I took the approach, we recently rebranded our firm and our tagline now is corporate first responders, And the idea behind corporate first responders is if you get into a car accident, God forbid, come on, and you're hurt, your expectation is if you dial 911, what? That someone's going to answer on the other line, they're going to send help immediately. Yeah. And you have confidence to know that if you call 911, they're going to answer the phone, right? So we've taken that approach because so many in our industry have moved away from that high response, high touch, really focusing on defining client experience because, frankly, it's a hard model to scale and it can be expensive. And so the industry, though, didn't get a chance with COVID, right? March of 2020, the world said, go home and don't come back until we tell you, right? And so overnight, IT across the globe which essentially had been preparing this for something like this for two decades, was able to flip a switch. People were able to grab their laptop from their desk, go home, plug into their internet, and continue to work without skipping a beat, right? And so there's a lot of hero worship here in the U.S., always, and rightfully so, around our police, firemen, military workers. We saw it with the pandemic with frontline workers, doctors, nurses, but I often say people don't, you know, understand about how important a role that IT played in saving the world, essentially, because if we hadn't prepared the world for that switch, chaos would have ensued. Anarchy would have taken place. We would have seen Armageddon, right? Social systems would have collapsed. Financial systems would have collapsed. But we had prepared the world in a way where you could essentially do that, right? And so that's what really ushered in this idea of workplace of the future. People had been toying with it, but then all of a sudden you didn't have an option. Everybody was working from somewhere else. They weren't in the office. And so we've invested and focused a lot and built our offering around to really help people design, develop, implement, and manage a work from home strategy. And here's the thing. We use very specific technology called EPM, Employee Productivity Management Software, because in the pandemic, we had a lot of, specifically oil and gas, just saying, going to IT and saying, hey, can I tell when people log in, when they log out, can I just have some basic productivity metrics that I know people are working, right? So we enable a software for our clients that, pull all sorts of data out of the environment that already exists. And it runs it through these algorithms and it'll compute back to the business 
a benchmark productivity score with which to gauge. And you can set that at department levels, company levels, holding companies. There's a lot of flexibility in it. It'll help you understand how your employees are working, if they're adopting the technology, how they're using the technology. It maps those use of tools and systems across their day so you can see the productivity patterns and a host of other things, right? They're all different. You can see communication flows within the organization to pinpoint breakdowns and things like that. There are dashboards that will show you all these productivity metrics in real time. But here's where the rubber hits the road. A lot of people looked at this as we started rolling this out and saying it's very big brother-like. We don't want to watch our employees. We trust them. And we get that. And that's not what we're trying to do. In fact, through this, we found that most organizations are actually productive at a pretty high rate with really the benchmark being 10% unproductive in any organization. But here's the deal. We're always trying to, whatever we do, provide value and tie it back to business outcomes for our clients, for business owners. And so here, if you look at attrition in the U.S., it spiked with the great resignation, right, following COVID, and it's still high. Normally, it's at, on average, corporately, if you look at ADP, it's 18%. 12% of that turnover is on purpose, meaning people who quit for whatever reason. So if we can use a technology like this to allow your staff to work from wherever, geographically work from whatever device they want, you know, you can do a bring your own device strategy and then show you patterns within there that if you can reduce churn, if you can catch people before they leave, you can root out a bad manager, you know, who's bringing down a whole department, right? Or if you can see that maybe a whole line of business is unproductive. But if we can just reduce churn by even 1% or 2%, the ROI on a tool like this is north of 10x, right? So what we've been changing our discussions around workplace of the future and what we're seeing ultimately now, where there was pushback against technology like this to begin with, we're now seeing the market embrace it because it's actually demonstrating that people are doing their job it's one tool in the tool bag for performance management. It's not the end-all, be-all. But it's a very low-cost tool. And what it does ultimately, you know, employees want flexibility. And the owners want accountability. This kind of software bridges the gap. And so we've been enabling that for customers, and we can build that program for anybody. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. After when the pandemic hit and then everybody, the world kind of was on a big pause and then all of a sudden everybody's at home, I think, and maybe you can talk about this a little bit more. It always reminded me of like right after a war, there's a lot of technology being invented and all of a sudden it's like the society goes into a different aspect of life. They have a higher living standard. It's because of all that in times of very uncertainty, we're just developing a lot of new technology. Do you think that might have been a pandemic for the technology industry? to where we're just developing a lot of technology to accommodate our actions and the changing world. I love that you use that term, changing world, because that you just hit the nail on the head. You answered your own question in a way. We like that phrase, changing world dynamics, right? Yeah. The generations before mine and yours, Kamal, did business a different way, right? They went to companies, they stayed there 40 years, got the gold watch. And then you saw sort of baby boomers going to 
college on the GI Bill and then starting businesses, entrepreneurs in the 80s. And we saw this explosion of capitalism. And so I think what we're seeing here is less driven by world events and more driven by truly groundbreaking disruptive technologies that once those were created, they then enabled the platform for many of these other technologies to come along, Mm -hmm. right? And so I think with remote work and oil and gas, this is really specifically for them, right? Because they tend to be an older demographic within the businesses, right? They tend to be more legacy businesses in terms of structure, right? Older way of doing things, levels of hierarchy, older systems. So, you know, if you look at what Shell and Exxon and BP are doing, they're adopting all these technologies and bringing them in and introducing them to their staff and investing in them because they know it's the only way that they're going to continue to attract and retain top talent to work with Gen Z and millennials. You know, it's no longer, you know, those people aren't even worried about work-life balance. They want an integrated work-life. They want to work when they want to. That's the other thing about this technology, right? When you think about the way people are working now and what we saw with the pandemic, people, you know, wake up in the morning, had to start teaching kids. Kids were home. They couldn't be as productive, right? Or in another scenario, think about, you know, just giving an employee the flexibility to be able to cut off from three to five to be with their children when their children get home from school, but then they can work from five to seven, five to eight. Our software captures that. So what it does is it says... These employees might not be working in a traditional sense, but they're still putting in the same time and equally as productive. And so when you think about that workplace of the future and attracting talent, you've got to have a workplace of the future, a remote work style plan, or you will lose ground, you'll lose right quick. And another term that I've been hearing a lot and exactly like what you just mentioned is instead of the work-life balance, I think they call it the lifestyle now. It's what's your lifestyle. It's the combination of how does my work benefit my personal life and how we can just kind of integrate it together. So to have such like IT companies like yourself and others that are coming and then really bridging that gap, I think is wonderful when it comes to the next generation of workforce for America. Yeah. You know, here's an interesting point. When you think about it, Kamal, going back to how I opened up, you have AI, you have RPA, AR, VR, IoT, you have all this stuff going on. And the business owner's thinking, gosh, I know this stuff could help me, but where do I even start, right? And there's so much of within each one of those technology platforms that can be used today, right now in an IT, OT capacity to operationalize, improve, drive efficiency in their operation today. But then there are other aspects of IoT, AI, RPA that require heavy, heavy development, integration, deployment, and it takes time. So going back to the value, I think we bring the energy industry, oil and gas, these midsize oil-filled companies, is that We've already vetted all that technology. We use somewhere between 18 and 20 different tools to manage our clients' environments. We've selected those tools. We've built them out. We've built maturity around it. We have process. We have owners, swim lanes, who participates in what. The point is, if I'm an oil field services company, I got 100 employees, 
right? I got an IT guy and manager and maybe two sys admins to do day-to-day support. How long is it going to take me to select 18 to 20 different tools to manage all the elements of the network that are required to manage? Then not only select them, you got to look at two or three vendors for each one. Then you select it. Then you got to develop it, implement it, build process, policy, you know, muscle memory around all that like we did. And so I think we're going to talk about co-managing in a minute, but it's one of our biggest opportunities we're seeing in the marketplace is these IT guys are now realizing that, hey, I can hire an avatar MSP who can instantly improve our maturity, manage our data center, our network, provide a service desk, and make sure that the lights are on, that we're protected from cyber incidents. Mm -hmm. And then it allows that internal team to focus more on kind of what you do, right? They can be analysts. They can work with line of business applications. They can work with the other line of business leaders in the company to see how do we use technology to drive change and innovation, but they can't do both. So this is the opportunity that's coming up that I'm really excited to address. Yeah, I think you just lead us perfectly to our next question. With having a lot of the new, whenever you have a spike in new technologies, there becomes a spike in cyber attacks. And IT security is a very serious matter to all of our IT infrastructure right now. And there was an incident very recently in 2021, the Colonial Pipeline had the cyber attack. I think that was a really big wake-up call for a lot of different companies. So how does Avatar kind of solve that issue? And how do other companies like your company can solve issues of cyber attacks or IT security and really build upon that? Yeah, great question. So it's really about helping our customers see the forest through the trees and sort of eliminate the FUD factor because that's what service providers like to do to customers, frankly, and I'm not keen on it, but they want to use the fear, uncertainty, of doubt. They want to scare people into submission and spending money, but you can't do that. I mean, the needs that an Exxon or a BP are going to have are starkly different than the needs of a hundred employee oil field services company. Not necessarily different, but in terms of scale, right? They use the same technologies, but when you have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of more ingress, egress points, right? More devices, more things that can touch the network. And that's why we're here, right? Going back to some of these other technologies we talked about, the proliferation of smartphones, devices, Everything has a sensor now. Everything has a microchip, right? So that ushers in significant security risks and issues. So what we do with our clients is help them to really put together a program that addresses all the needs of cybersecurity. So if you think of your own house, for instance, and how you protect your own home, right? You got doors and locks on the windows, right? You have an alarm system, right? So we do that same sort of thing for businesses. We lock them down at all their endpoints, all their access into the network, right? And then we use tools like privileged access, binary encryption, multi-factor authentication to authenticate, single sign-on capabilities, right? Even now, YubiKey is sort of physical, like people are using jewelry, rings, necklaces now that have sensors that will authenticate you locally. So there's all kinds of new sexy tech coming in. But you got to have sort of the three-legged stool, we call it. So one leg is, how am I keeping people out? That's vulnerability, monitoring, 
management, ongoing assessments, pen tests, that's intrusion detection, intrusion prevention, okay, and a host of other tools. So that's one leg of the stool. We provide that. The second leg is, again, your house. Let me ask you, what happens today, Kamal, at your house or your parents' house? If somebody breaks in, what do you do? Oh, well, the alarm goes off and then the police is called. Police is called. And then we have cameras that are just capturing everything. So, yeah, it makes my life much more safer and secure. Absolutely. And some people might be gun people, some not. If you're a gun person, you might be leveraging that to protect yourself, too. So, again, back to the analogy. So what happens to our clients? You can't guarantee that they'll never be hacked. So what happens when they do get penetrated? Well, you have to have technologies that isolate and cut them off, network segmentation tools that separate them from the rest of the network, right? Remediation protocols. You also have to work, and I do want to touch on this, cyber insurance has completely disrupted how this process goes. But, you know, next-gen XDR technologies and a host of other things to say, when there is an incident, how do I prevent lateral spread? How do I isolate, remediate right? And then you have to have a cybersecurity policy and you have to have an incident response plan. How do I respond to the incident, right? And you have to keep chain of command and there's a whole process now that they didn't have to do even a couple of years ago. The third component to the three-legged stool. So we have a plan to keep them out. We have a plan of what to do when they get in. So most people are getting in through social engineering phishing attacks, and that's what's changed the paradigm, right? Used to be attacks were much more targeted. That's why they went after Colonial Pipeline. That's why they went after Target. That's why they go after the big companies because they can extort them for a lot of money. But that sort of changed because even the competitive landscape, like there's competition amongst hackers, right? So now they just take this shotgun blast approach where they just put out evil everywhere and whoever's essentially ignorant enough to fall for it, they have no problem extorting Exxon for $5 million or ABC Oilfield Services for 5000 It all adds up just the same when you think about it collectively, right? So that being said, you got to have sort of the vulnerability aspect of the program. You have to have the respond, remediate program, and then you have to have what we call SAT, Security Awareness Training so we'll send fake phishing attacks. We'll try to trick you, Kamal. And when you fail, then we have training that will educate you on. Here's what you did. Here's why that was wrong. Here's what to look out for. And so now all day long, we get people you know, calling us or emailing us saying, this is a fish, isn't it? Or this is a hack. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. But that's what we want them to do. We want to create the awareness. And so we have those programs. And ultimately, we have sort of a base program that is mostly good for most of our market. And that's normally what we lead with. And we do have one advanced level for people who have specific needs. And in case we just signed a new company this week, actually, it's a drilling fluids company. And we talked to them six, eight months ago. And, you know, at that time, we were a little bit pricey for their budget and what they were trying to do. In between now and then, though, they had an incident and decided they needed more, right? So in that case, oil 
and gas company, they went with the upgraded package because they have offices globally. So that's how we're protecting our clients. That is wonderful to hear. Yeah, just like it's kind of very similar to pre-IT or pre-technology era. Whenever your house gets broken into, that's when you become serious about, I need security. Yes. Same thing. See, our advanced program, using that same analogy, right, would be like if at your house you had machine gun turrets lower from the ceiling and just started firing at will at any bad people. That's sort of the advanced level that's with our company. <laughs> so we, we've got it. We've wow. got it covered for whatever the need is. Uh, it's like a sci-fi movie in my head now. <laughs> so just going off of the topic, and you just kind of mentioned it before when we talk about co-managed. And also, what do you think are the best opportunities for the industry now? Since time is changing, circumstances are changing, and companies are looking towards technology as not as an expense, but as a necessity. Sure. Okay. Two things driving opportunity for companies like mine. I would say one is sort of a negative and one is sort of a positive. Let's start with a negative. It's security, right? It's like when we vote and we say it's the economy stupid. Right now with IT, it's security stupid. Like all of our conversations are security led or originating from something that is rooted in a fear around security, right? So one of the things, the biggest opportunity right now we see is for cyber insurance. Okay, let me, let's talk about that. Roughly, if, depending on where you get your numbers, 70% of the market is now insured with a cyber insurance policy. So this is a policy that you're going to need above and beyond your errors and emissions, your professional liability, your other typical you know, workers' comp and so forth. So 70% of the market now has cyber insurance. And what we're seeing is that those carriers are paying 80 cents on the dollar in claims, which is devastating the reinsurer market. They're basically running out of the money. The guys who have the money to pay claims, they're running out. So as a default, the carriers are declining any claims as a default, right? Which puts the onus of proving you were doing the right things on the customer, right? Now, here's the thing. When you signed up for that cyber insurance policy, it had a whole slew of boxes that you had to check and say, yes, I'm doing this. And you might have been doing it at the time, but you have to be able to consistently do that, not just a snapshot point in time, right? And then there are other people who just check the box to get the policy, right? Well, what happens in an incident or a breach is a breach manager on the side of the carrier gets assigned and they call all the shots. They tell us what to do as the provider. They tell the client what to do. And so what we're doing, the opportunity for us, and again, another secret sauce tip here, is we're managing the compliance on behalf of our customers. So we'll load the framework. We can look at their covenants on their cyber insurance policy, then load that in the framework. And when we do that technology alignment, I talked about the mapping back to best practice, that's where we're going to address that, right? So that our clients can rest easy knowing that they're not going to have to worry about, likely going to have to worry about claims because they're checking all the boxes. So that's one opportunity. And we really encourage, if you don't have a cyber insurance policy, you got to get one. The premiums are doubling, right? I mean, it used to be, you know, somewhere between, I think, 5 and 8K for a million-dollar policy. That's more than doubled now, right? nature where he is. The other 
opportunity we see, I kind of talked about already, which was co-managed. So that's companies who are, you know, 100, 200 employees on up, a couple hundred employees. They have uh, IT organization in place. But again, they're realizing they can't keep up with the pace of change and they're dealing with turnover issues. They don't have the right skill sets. So years ago, the people who had IT teams in that middle market space, they didn't really outsource to MSPs. They just figured it out or tried their best. Now they're outsourcing to us. So that's a big opportunity for us. So if you're a company, if you're an entrepreneur, business leader, you have a business that has an IT organization, but you have some pain in there. You have some pain associated with how you're delivering services, or maybe the culture around IT is just not that good. Then you should definitely call us or a trusted MSP because Again, we'll take you from zero to 60 in terms of maturity almost overnight. And then you could focus on sort of technologies and innovation that can drive revenue, you know, that's really tied to your core business. You know, if you're Shell, you're an oil company, you're not an IT company. And people are finally grasping that. Like, it's just not something I'm going to invest in. So those are two big opportunities for us amazing opportunities, especially I feel like you're at the right place at the right time. Thank you. We are so happy to have you as a sponsor for this OGGN networking event and today's industry mixer that we'll just kind of walk into as soon as we finish this podcast. But Jason, what do you plan on getting out of this event? I hope to learn. First and foremost, I'm always interested in learning from people about where the market's going. What are the big initiatives that you guys are dealing with ESG, right? For oil and gas is huge. You know, they're trying to figure out how to reduce their carbon footprint. They're being tasked with managing their power on a more effective level, right? It's all about appropriate disposal of technology so that your computer with your company name doesn't end up in some mine in Africa with five-year-old kids tearing it apart at the risk of their health, right? So I want to learn. I want to learn about those things. I want to learn from the audience about how kind of the government's push, you know, towards renewables and really demagoguing oil and gas, sort of their feeling about that. I want to know how that's impacting morale. Is that impacting churn nutrition? And then I'd be remiss to say if I didn't want to find some new potential customers here, right? We service this sector well. We're tightly networked with the investment community behind this industry. We've been in servicing these clients for a long time. So we want to pick up some new customers from here. And with that, let me mention, if I can, Kamal, two promotions we're offering up to the folks here. The first one is with regard to cyber insurance and this idea of a compliance assessment around the covenants that are required within your cyber insurance policy. So anybody that hears this podcast, reference it, you heard the podcast and reaches out to us, Avatar Managed Services, we will conduct a free cyber insurance covenants assessment. So we will look at their policy and all that's required of it, weigh that against how their security program looks today and tell them where they have some gaps. So that's one, free cyber insurance covenants assessment, anybody who mentions OGGN podcast. The second thing we want to do, again, for any customers that we pick up, mention us through the podcast, we are willing to donate any onboarding slash project fees, which are typically around the same price as the monthly bill rate. So if we're billing 
10K a month. Typically, the onboarding fee is one month, right? Again, I mentioned to you before, my wife and I are Christians. My wife runs a ministry called For the Brokenhearted, and it's near and dear to our heart. And we sow into many philanthropic, both faith-based and non-faith-based initiatives in town. And so the Red M, man, that's right up our alley. We've done some work with Elijah's Rising and the Freedom Ranch in the past. And so anybody who reaches out to us and that we have the pleasure of contracting on an engagement, we're going to donate that onboarding fee to the Red M organization and help further the commitment that you guys are doing because it means so much to us as well. And we're just grateful to be a part of it. So give us a call, folks. If you're in oil and gas, if you're in the energy industry, if you're a business that has 10, 15, 20 employees on up to several hundred employees, if you have drowning man issues, if you have pain, if you can't sleep at night because you don't feel like you're secure, if you don't have a cloud strategy, any one of the above, give us a call. We're going to execute on that compliance assessment for you. And then we're going to give some money to the Red End Foundation and really help you guys put a stop to human trafficking. So thank you so much, Kamal, for having us. We're tickled to be a part of this. You guys have done such a great job with this forum and we're really grateful. Thank you. Jason, it was a pleasure. I learned so much just by hearing you talk and what an amazing podcast. Honestly, serious. I learned a lot from just how you think about it and at the end really your nature of giving back to the community i think that is such an important quality to have especially at your higher executive level yeah i mean look last thing i'll say is we really take pride and believe in this idea of corporate first responders and so to us it doesn't just mean being there for the clients being highly responsive but it also means supporting the goodwill of the community that we're in and the charities that our partners and our customers believe in. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jason. And a big shout out to Avatar Managed Services for sponsoring and to Park Energy and Carbac Brewing and Endeavor Technologies for co-sponsoring and helping us donate to Red M The Movement and helping victims of human trafficking. Check us out next month for another engaging episode of the Mixer Connections podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.